0: Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Today I have Narendra Ghati with us, Chief Designer at Tata Elxsi. He's a product design graduate from IDC, IIT Mumbai, and started his career in 1997 an expert in product planning, automotive styling, graphics, branding, and more. He is also a part of the core team that was instrumental in making industrial design division, the the largest design house in India. Today, we will be discussing about industrial design and what goes into designing from a small shampoo bottle to the most complicated airline systems. We also will touch upon user research and what part does it play in designing these things. So thank you, Narendra, for giving us your time and welcome to Audio Gap.
1: Thank you very much, and it's a great honor to be here. And uh, I think we can have a great conversation today. And sure, this sure. is a topic of my interest. So yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll start off with the most basic question: uh, What is considered as an industrial design? What all products are condus- considered under industrial design, and how huge the canvas is?
1: Okay, so the. The classical definition of industrial design is anything that is mass manufactured, Mm -hmm. anything that is created for lots and lots of people Mm. is considered industrial design Mm. which means If I create a film poster that is going to be seen by hundreds and thousands of people, Mm. that is part of industrial design. If I am creating a shampoo bottle that has been sold to hundreds and thousands of people, that is industrial design. If I do a car, it is industrial design. Anything that is mass manufactured where the design has to be done once and then it is repeated across multiple units, Mm. that is industrial design. And that's why it is different from architecture. That's why it's different from art and sculpture where it is typically one of Uh, pieces. Yeah, so here because it is done for so many people, the process involved is much more deeper because now you have to consider all the different kinds of people who are going to actually get in touch with your product or something that you are going to consume, the product people are going to consume this product. Mm. And because the people are so many and so different, you have to design for all of them. And this is where anthropometry, all your ergonomics, all those considerations come here because you're doing something once for uh, lots of people. Mm -hmm. And that is industrial design. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh, we'll take any one case study and just uh, try and understand what are the challenges involved in designing something for such a wide range of uh, users. So maybe ergonomics, cost, recyclability or any of those parameters you can just highlight upon and uh, take one of the case studies to tell how intense this entire thing is.
1: Okay, so let's take... uh, case studies mm-hmm. uh, and because these two are r- diametrically opposite mm. and both are sort of uh, stretching let's some of these definitions. So let's take uh, one of my earliest uh, projects which was um, the Pond's uh, talcum uh, powder, the, mm. the pack or mm-hmm. the design of that uh, talcum powder. Now this, when we met Unilever, they had a very simple and relatively scary uh, description to us saying that you know, this thing that you are going to design is going to be used by every Indian,
2: mm.
1: and I'm talking about uh, 1998, mm. so it's a long time back. Yeah, uh, but it was at that time, I guess Talcum powder was much more uh, useful and friendly and famous than what it is now, mm. and Ponds was the biggest uh, brand out there. Also, yeah. yeah, so now the point is uh, if I start thinking about that particular project. Uh, there were two or three aspects that Unilever had as a problem. Mm. One was... and this uh, So, let me start from the engineering issues and then the software issues. Mm. One of the big issues that they had was there was a lot of people who were putting in spurious chalk powder as talcum powder. Mm. So, the earlier plastic packs were... And even now, they are so durable that they don't really go bad. Mm. In fact, that's one of the issues that they are not sustainable. They don't really decompose. Mm. right? Which means someone could take an empty bottle, put some chalk powder in it and just push it into the market.
2: Mm.
1: It is to hurt ponds not only in terms of revenue but also in terms of brand. Yeah. So that was one concern that they had. The second concern or the second reason why they started off this thing was and I'm talking about 1998 so it is a bit old mm. uh, but the pack was even older. It was 15, 20 years. Uh, I mean, after the first... Metal can, this was the first time that they were going to shift into uh, a plastic uh, mm-hmm. can. So, it was a uh, big change for them. They were doing some of this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Though they had other plastic, uh, let's say, lines in their production lines, but Ponds was a very big uh, product for them. And hence, the brand, uh, how it comes across as a completely new design, was very important.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that's how we started. So of course our process was to uh, you know, very traditional, do the user research, really understand how people use ponds. Mm. And uh, quite a range of people, right? From men who dump it on their backs to women who put it as a deodorant. So there's a range of how ponds is used, how it is kept, Mm. understanding the different sizes that people like. Some want to carry it in their purse while some want to have a large can in there. So there's an entire range of understanding what people expect, mm. how the product is used and the third, uh, relatively unsaid but very important when it comes to industrial design was how is this product currently manufactured.
2: Mm.
1: So now Unilever had more than uh, seven different product lines or factories across India and all of them had a sort of a dated equipment mm. and ponds and like the gentleman said, if every person in India is going to use a product, it has that kind of volume, which means this product is made at a rate of about 500 bottles per minute. Wow. So, so that high speed means that uh, you cannot really compromise on the ability to produce at that speed. Mm. You cannot create a design that suddenly needs one more person to add a label or press some button or do something. It has to fit in that existing line, which I said was slightly dated. Mm. So that automatically became a kind of a shackle on our likes to try and design something that is very modern
2: mm.
1: but has to be working on these antiquated lines at that kind of speed. So that was some of the issues that we started off with and then the process was that we did a lot of sketches, we did renders, we had some customer clinics and finally uh, we. one of the key points and since it's an old product uh, I don't know if people will remember but this was the first time we introduced this entire new opening mechanism. So it's like a small shutter that hmm. you slide and the let's say holes through which powder comes out reveals itself. So there's a entire experience of how you actually reach a product hmm. and that was sort of built into the product so that people feel uh, even if it's an unconscious movement of the thumb to slide the slider uh, it, it is something it is a uh, positive action that uh, you know you sort of engage with the product. And again, a quick background to this. And the reason why it is difficult or important, during those times when you buy a new talcum powder, mm. you needed to have a iron, or a hammer and a small nail. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah
0: I remember that. <laughs>
1: Because the holes were uh, you know, concealed because the talcum powder is hygroscopic, it absorbs water. Mm. And that's why it's always sealed and then you punch a hole in it. And obviously, as designer, we thought that's such a bad way to start up your relationship with the product. Yeah. You know, it should feel like uh, it's ready to go. I mean, that's what, uh, just to quote again, uh, Steve Jobs insisted that you should have batteries inbuilt. So that moment I unbox a product, it should be ready to start and I don't have to search for a battery. Yeah. So it's a similar kind of thinking where the product should be ready to use. Which means we had to actually engineer this entire opening or a sliding mechanism which can prevent water from uh, seeping in. It needed that kind of uh, detailed engineering to have the seals Mm. and to be able to be manufactured at that speed. So it was a fairly complicated um, challenge that we solved. Now, now the reason I'm sort of uh, going on and harping about this is you see these bottles, whether shampoo bottles or, uh, you know, so often all around you. And they seem so frivolous and so trivial. Mm. But there is a lot of... um, engineering if I may say so or design that goes behind it to really make it what it is and come to you at the price that it uh, comes to. A lot of our uh, design briefs uh, you know there is a very strict price or cost target and we have to achieve that because otherwise you know, if you are selling a million bottles a month, uh, 10 rupees here and there makes a big difference. Mm. So that was uh, uh, ponds. And the second case study just to bring you or bring us into today's world and have a completely diametrical opposite uh, view is what we did for Kochi Metro. Mm. Now, Kochi Metro in a way stretches the definition of industrial design because we are not making thousands of units of Kochi Metro, but it is still consumed by thousands yeah, and thousands of people it. because it is a metro system, and hence we sort of conveniently have are calling it as a part of our industrial design studio work. Mm. And Kochi Metro was an awesome project for multiple reasons. One, it's a government project. and uh, we had a great experience working with the government because the advantage of government projects, especially when you have this correct set of people, is the scope is vast mm. and the authority given is very vast. Mm. So in this case, uh, partly we had sort of uh, you know helped let's say Kochi Metro, or our customer realize what impact design can have. And uh, after multiple meetings they were very convinced that they need to have a central design agency that will define the entire passenger experience. Mm. So the brief given to us was to design a complete end-to-end passenger experience for Kochi Metro. And this meant everything that the passenger touches or sees has to be designed.
0: So, it's a physical, it's… Uh, physical, it's, uh,
1: digital, branding, everything. Anything, any interface point between Metro as a system and the citizens of Kochi has to be designed.
0: So, so right from the escalators to the ticket to the… Yeah, so
1: I, I will sort of uh, get into the things that slowly became a part of uh, the scope. Um, this, is a, I still would like to say in terms of why… This is so important or so new and now we are doing quite a few such uh, uh, let's say passenger experience, uh, experience projects. Uh, in a, any metro system there are very compartmentalized departments. Mm. So there is a civil department that is completely bothered about the architecture and the building of uh, the stations. There is the rolling stock that is talking about trains. There is the electronics and switch gear that is doing about the signals. So there are and these departments are typically uh, watertight To have one agency that will be able to sort of peek into everyone's business was done for the first time. Normally the tenders, the way they come out, are meant for one of these uh, divisions. So in in our scope, uh, what we started off with and what we said and partly we were allowed to sort of define our scope, we started with research in terms of really understanding what Kochi is all about, what the city, what is the character of the city, what is the vibe of the city, especially when tourists comes and uh, you know, so to really understand what a Kochi uh, citizen would expect. Mm. Then, of course, understanding the nitty gritties of the infrastructure what is it that takes to build a metro system and all the issues that uh, we have to be in touch with because, like the pond's bottle, we cannot really build something or design something that cannot be built. Mm. And third was to really benchmark world. Uh, Metro World metro system. So that uh, you know, we are learning and bringing in the best and trying to find ways to innovate and make it better. To really create a brand that uh, will connect to the Kochi city and the citizens, and also something that uh, can stand for so many things. Mm. Now, one of the things that uh, in fact is now currently happening uh, is Kochi Metro, right from start, wanted to expand into an integrated transport system. So, it was not only about the metro, it was there's a water bus, there's an entire bus system, Uh, there is, uh, you know, there are some five different modes of transport within the city that all would be connected through this brand. So, to create an entire branding system for multimodal uh, transport was something that uh, was a key part of this, and this brand really helps connect people, connect uh, the entire thinking. So, the brand itself was uh, something that we did. Uh, Then, in terms of uh, scope, there was uh, large elements of influence in the, well, let's say, the architect, architectural elements of the station. Mm. So how can a particular station in a locality reflect the locality or stand for certain things and how we can, whether it's through graphics or whether it's through physical elements, how we can make that particular station feel uh, local. And this is where there was a big uh, disagreement or a bit of um, challenge in terms of how Delhi Metro system operates and wanted to uh, Kochi to operate and how Kochi Metro wanted to operate. Mm. So in Delhi, for example, all stations are alike and that becomes a single entity. Mm -hmm. While in Kochi, they wanted every city, every station to reflect the locality so that it feels like an experience whenever you get off a station. It doesn't feel like the same thing. And we were of course going with uh, the Kochi Metro's uh, point of view that each station should feel different. So in the end, the compromise was that uh, there were a few select stations that were made Uh, You know, very uh, unique while rest were, uh, Mm. uh, you know, slightly standard. So, those unique stations is again something that we designed to reflect the locality. Wayfinding the signage system, I mean, again, you see the signs and uh, it feels uh, obvious, it feels simple. But the point is, uh, there are two, three things when it comes to signage systems. One is if, imagine if there is a bomb attack or terrorist or some kind of a calamity the station should be evacuated within two minutes. Mm. During that time and during that state of mind, how a person reads the exact science and manages to sort of calmly know how to behave is a science. Mm. And that's a very important duty that the scientist system does. Yeah, yeah. The other important thing that a sinus system does, apart from the wayfinding and the thing that you'll know where to find a toilet, which is, yeah, the <laughs> which is the simplest thing, is... is if you think about it, whether you go to an airport or whether you go to a metro system, the authority or the entity that represents the government or represents the metro system is the signage. I mean, apart from some Havaldar that you might see, there is no person that represents the company or represents KMRL or represents the airport. Yeah. So it's the signage system that really denotes the authority, denotes the seriousness of what uh, you're expected to And uh, so we were very strong in uh, convincing and uh, KMRL as a company was also obviously very uh, understanding. We wouldn't want any advertising to sort of mix with signage systems Mm -hmm. to make sure that the line of vision is very clear. The third point about signage systems, and again I won't go too much into signage, is the readability, the fact that Two, three different languages have to work well with each other. Okay. That people should be able to understand. If you are an illiterate, which is a situation which is in India, the
0: classic case in India in English, yeah. exactly.
1: So, how can you use pictograms so that it should feel inclusive? So, if if imagine a poor, illiterate man, he will not feel welcome in a mall, for example. Mm. He feels out of place. But a metro system is something that he should be able to adopt and feel comfortable. Feel that it has been built for him. Yeah. One of the key interfaces, the interface design between this mass transit system and the person is the signage systems. Mm -hmm. Because if he understands where he is, if he feels comfortable navigating, then he feels confident to use it. So, there are a lot of these subtle things that a signage system does Mm -hmm. that uh, are often uh, not understood, but they are important and uh, we know it as a profession and we implement it. Mm -hmm. So, that was something again. Done in Coach Metro, I mean, we have done it for Bangalore Metro, we have done it for other metro systems. Next point again was the entire train in terms of how it looks. So, again, this was done by Alstom, who was the rail coach manufacturer. Uh, but so certain things were fixed and they would not change. Mm-hmm. But the fascia and there were other elements that were completely open for KMRL to influence. Mm-hmm. So, we changed quite a few of that. The interiors in terms of its colors. Uh, you know where should the women sit, and ho- how should the transition happen? What kind of, uh, how many? So there's quite a bit of understanding of usage of a metro system that needs to be done so that we can influence some of the uh, interiors. So that was a fair bit of uh, work that we did. Then the bigger things uh, or newer things is the entire digital interface. So for the first time, uh, we have a bank in this case, an Axis Bank, who has uh, you know jointly partnered with Kochi Metro to actually provide a ticketing system. Mm. So, which is again something that uh, we had a role to play. So, with this Kochi Metro ticket, which is almost like a credit card, you can not only purchase a ticket and go from A to B, you can load money through the internet and you can use that same ticket to actually pay for your groceries. Mm. So, it becomes a single card that connects you to the Metro system and the entire Kochi. And it also automatically becomes a financial product that of course Axis Bank has, but you as a person also has. So it's again a very new, almost uh, definitely done for the first time in India. So that was a large thing that… So the big advantage I wanted to say is that when you have a single design agency to think about all the interfaces that a passenger can have with a metro system, these are the ideas that sort of come up. I'll give you one more idea that uh, is fairly… I thought it was unique. So we have traveled metro systems across the world, so if you go to Japan for example, When the door opens, there is this beep, 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 beep sound when the door is opening.
0: Correct.
1: And now this is standard built-in in uh, in one of the um, uh, coach manufacturers. Now we looked at it and we saw, oh, this is a brilliant opportunity. When the door opens, we should have a jingle. Like you have the Intel inside uh, jingle. And that jingle can become something that becomes an audio brand for the coaching metro. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And the same jingle can become a part of a larger advertisement campaign afterwards. But here I am going through the metro system every day and I hear the same uh, jingle every day. It's not a big jingle, it's a simple uh, set of sounds that automatically brands the place. Wherever I see it, I'll remember it. It will give me positive memories. So these are opportunities that get lost when all of that is not considered as a single unifying design
0: experience. But does that, like just uh, a question here that do this, jingle is also accessibility uh,
1: considered. Yeah, that's a good, very good point. (laughs) Accessibility was a fairly large amount. Uh, It was given a lot of importance. So whether it is the textured, uh, let's say, tiles Mm -hmm. that allow you to enter, but this uh, audio jingle that allows you to sort of know that the door is open and where it is, Mm -hmm. is something that um, was considered. um, so that's this I mean it's a range of other products also. Yeah, product.
0: I'm just uh, stunned to hear so many uh, interworking systems together and uh, yeah it's really awesome. So I'll I'll change a uh, a track uh here slightly and uh, in in like earlier as you mentioned about doing user research and understanding the gaps which are there in the market, uh I actually wanted uh to have some insights on uh, understanding how do you differentiate between a user need and a user want. I'll, I'll set the context here that uh, as Henry Ford once mentioned that uh, if you ask people what they want, they will say faster horses. So uh, uh, that's, that's what you land up when you do extensive user research also and you don't break that boundary hmm. of uh, really... Making sure that this is what they need actually, as opposed to what they want. So, while working on these systems, while working on these large, complex uh, industrial products, uh, how do you go about differentiating what is a need and what is a want?
1: So, um, it's a great question. And let me, and the answer to this question changes with time. Hmm. And the current times, make this question much, much more relevant. Yeah. Because earlier, uh, you know, the needs and wants were very similar to each other. Mm. I mean, the person is hungry and you need, he needs food. So, you know, I mean, it was stark. Mm. Now, almost everybody is getting food, but then they want slightly mm. different tastes. So, how do we really understand what taste is going to have? This is where uh, an often used, but uh, fairly important word, empathy, comes in. Mm. To be really able to... Uh, Empathize, Put yourself in somebody's shoes mm. and uh, be able to think for him. Mm. It really matters. Now research is an ability to allow you to empathize mm. okay. right? and that's in my, it's, Let's say that's my definition of I think, slightly different twist on the standard uh, definition that uh, is used for research, where it is going and understanding people. Mm. Uh, I'm saying it, we need to go a step further and be the person. Rather than just understand a person. Um, Because, and again a slight uh, twist or a slight change in what you are saying. With the modern times, with big data, with uh, automation, with AI, every person is different and every person's individual needs can be met. Hmm. Because the systems will allow mass customization. Hmm. Hence, understanding and, and ability to be that person is much more relevant now. Right. So, one of the things that uh, we are doing, uh, and which we have been see, designers, according to me, are very good at observing, mm. very good at seeing things that uh, other people do not see. Mm. Um, so, we have researchers who, of course, are the profession in terms of uh, you know asking the right questions or creating the entire moderation or uh, you know field research, all of that. But with every project and with every researcher, we always have a designer to go with him
2: mm.
1: because unless the designer is immersed into the problem or immersed into the situation, mm. he cannot really design for that problem. Okay, okay. Right? So it's not art. He's not designing for himself. He has to yeah. design for somebody else. So that is an important part of the process where uh, the designer um, is able to put himself in. Mm. And then what happens is when he's coming up with solutions, coming up with, uh, you know, designs. He is able to judge the designs himself. Mm -hmm. He automatically knows, oh, I love this, but I know my my customer is going to hate it, so he is going to drop it. He is not going to take it forward. He knows which will work because now he can think like the consumer. Mm -hmm. So that's a fairly uh, important uh, part. And I will give another very practical reason why uh, what I just said uh, is important, at least for people like us who run uh, design agencies. And uh, for us... uh, Uh, you know, it's very important that our concepts and our design gets through to the next stage, gets approved, gets liked. Um, So imagine I'm designing a fan or a a product and I'm talking to, let's say, the managing director or the proprietor of that company.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, it's his product, it's his baby, it's his investment, it's his company, right? He will have a say in terms of what I'm showing him. Mm. And very often, and uh, if there are any designers listening, they will all realize when you see a sketch or when you see a design, everybody turns on their creative hats and they say, oh, Why don't you try this? You know, I have seen this in Europe, why don't you put this particular button on it? So it is limitless. Yeah. Moment we go into our third iteration, I am at a loss. Yeah. Which means I need to make my design that are apt, that are correct. And I mean, when it comes to subjectivity, it's very hard to defend something. Okay. I mean, if he says red, how why will I say not red? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's becomes that simple. Yeah. So the only way I can defend my design is when I tell him that uh, you might like red, but I know your consumers. I have met them; they hate red because they think red means uh, apshagun, mm-hmm. and that's why we made this product in this particular color. Mm-hmm. Moment I'm able to represent his consumers to him, we, I, and he are at a level playing field, and then he listens to me.
0: Mm-hmm interest
1: yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's the only way i can run my business mm. because otherwise uh, there's no limits i mean i'm a creative person i can keep giving you red blue yellow green whatever you want yeah. right so uh, i should not become a design jockey just mm. doing what somebody else wants yeah, yeah. so so that's why research has a lot of uh, you, know, you know importance and uh, so actually
0: i'll cut you here and uh, we we'll, we'll move to the next question because that's more like I can see a follow uh, follow on there, which is uh, which is the like most significant work you have done so far, uh, and which also includes user research. And what would have gone wrong, or what would have uh, changed if there was no user research, and what changed because of user research? Do you think of any uh, uh, relevant example? I
1: I'll tell you one of the recent projects that we're doing where. Uh, In spite of being what we thought was uh, empathetic, uh, you know, we still come across a surprise when we really get down to it and we are really true to the word. So, uh, there's this product called Spin Tails. It's been sold in the US and now it's just been launched uh, in India also. It's from a company called Wellspun. So, Wellspun is a company that makes rugs, and uh, so they're amongst the world's biggest companies that make. Uh, let's say bed sheets, towels, things like that yeah. and uh, they had this idea of uh, you know let's take this rug creating a rug uh, which can tell stories which can come alive mm. so the idea is the rug will have a design on it mm. and we have a ru- app that goes along with it that you can download and when you point, point the app at the rug uh, then certain stories are told oh, so so the the way, and it's slightly more intricate than the way I explained. <coughs> so for example, if you look at a rug, it looks like a beautiful jungle scene. Mm. But there are no animals or nothing in it. Now when you open the app, uh, you know there are three different stories. Mm. When you select any one of the story, uh, you have this entire... Um, uh, you have the stories going in multiple sections. So you have a small animation, then you have a, like a game. And then you have an augmented reality section where the camera turns on and then you're asked to find a banana or find a tree. And when you do that, you f- see the tree growing in front of you uh, in your camera, like an augmented reality. And then there's a bear that is shaking the bananas down and then things like that. So, and it's fairly successful. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, reviews on uh, Amazon.com, so it's uh, you know, well received. Uh, but in the beginning, we were very happy uh, that... These animals coming alive and dancing and jumping on the rug itself is such a wow moment that everybody will be happy with it. Mm -hmm. And this is meant for kids between 3 to Mm 5. And whenever we showed to most of the people that uh, were, let's say, smart but not 3 to 5, they loved the idea. They thought that, (coughs) you know, these animals coming alive, it's such a magical thing, kids are going to love it. When we actually uh, started researching with the kids, you know, one very stark and quick realization happened kids see new things almost every day. Mm. So any new thing has a novelty value for 15 seconds. After that, it is routine. So which means we banking on this entire augmented reality thing where uh, these animals are coming alive, Mm. itself being a big thing, was false. Because kids, beyond the first view, did not think anything great about it. Which suddenly meant the content, the storytelling, what the animal is actually doing, became far more important than the fact that, oh, there's magically an animal on my carpet. Mm. And so it's things like this that uh, really help you realize that even now, empathy and research is so oh, important. Okay. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And I'll give another example which I wanted to uh, give in the earlier uh, question. Again, completely different, but I was talking about observations. Mm. Right? Uh, so um, designers and I think all of us, if we are shown something, then you realize, oh, I missed looking at it. Designers are better at observing things that other people miss, and that's where a latent need because you're talking about wants and needs, mm. a latent need can come up. So, uh, we we have designed this uh, let's say water purifier, and during research, one of the things that we observed, mm. and you tell me if it's true in your family or uh, in any of your friends, mm. that moment the family sort of sits in front in the table to have food, you realize that there's no water, mm. so the youngest son or the the, the, has to go get up stand in front of the filter and fill water
2: Yeah,
1: and it's a pain because you don't have any bottles uh, <coughs> that are full and it's a slow trickle of water that is filling so it's not a big deal it will take hardly 20 seconds but it is a issue mm. and it is a pain point in your dinner experience where you suddenly have to go get up and water is not ready to immediately mm. get to the table you have to stand yeah. and wait for the water to fall and all of that and that and that's with the advantage of being the researcher and the designer in one uh, company. We saw that, we observed that, we realized that that is something that can be a potential USP. And we've created this water purifier where, uh, <coughs> called Marvel, where there is a jug that is connected to the purifier. Oh, okay. So when the water gets filtered, first the jug is filled, and then all the excess water gets and f- goes and fills into the tank. Mm. So what happens at any given time, you always have a jug full of water ready to take away. Wow. And then that becomes a talking point. See, In the end, when we are trying to sell a product in a very crowded marketplace, you need to be able to describe it in two, three sentences. Mm-hmm. You need to have something to talk about. And uh, some things like this really uh, help and make a big difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Cool. Uh, I think uh, I'll conclude with one last question, which is, uh, like, what new products can we see uh, in the coming market, in, like in the coming decades? Uh, and also, what... Uh, how and what Tata Alexa is doing overall to improve the experience of people through their products.
1: So, two three things are happening. Um,
0: first, first we'll just delve into uh, like looking at general Tata Alexa products, and then probably uh, go more abstract and. T-
1: so, uh, okay, I'll tell you a few of the current projects that are going on. But we are a design agency, so which means uh, we are working for different companies all across the world, and. Uh, is their products and they are the ones who bring it out to the market. And in many times uh, we advise them, but we are uh, mercenary, we mm-hmm. are hired guns, we will do what they tell us. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, we do have a view on what is happening and what should happen, and that helps us win business or do better projects. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that is uh, happening in the last uh, couple of f- or few years and will definitely happen earlier, a design solution would typically lie in a single domain. Mm-hmm there would be a graphic design project, a branding project, a product design project. Now, almost none of our projects have a solution in a single domain. Mm. So even if I'm doing a product design, there is a branding element, there is a service design element, there is a retail element. If I'm doing a service design project, there is technology elements, there is uh, UX that is involved, there are some touch screens uh, there is some process design. So this integration of all the design faculties mm. to come together to a great solution is something that is happening more and more mm-hmm. and uh, which is what we are seeing and uh, that's why in our studio as you might have observed in you know, all designers sit together so that uh, you know there can be a seamless mm. transition between different uh, design domains mm. uh, the other big thing that uh, is happening and it's not new but it is happening more and more faster is uh, technology is more and more complex mm. People are no longer trying to understand technology. Your cell phone is expected to work. you will not try and find out why yeah. your car is supposed to take you from A to B you will A to B and you will not bother to open the hood because you won 't understand anything and So what is happening is is the poor engineers who have to make sure that the technology works, yeah. uh, but it's the designers who have to translate the technology to hmm. the users and moment the interface or the design fails, um, we have a problem. Yeah. So, going forward, what's happening more and more is this interface between technology and people is getting more and more important. If you look at 5 years ago or 20 years ago, you needed to be taught how to use a technology. Mm -hmm. So, there were user manuals and there was... uh, right. And what used to happen is that technology could do far more than what what you used it for. Mm -hmm. So, you will have 20 features or 20 things that some machine can do but you'll use only 10 of them because mm. right so your expectations from the technology were lesser than what the technology could achieve mm. yeah
0: mm. yeah true.
1: correct now and in the next five years the exact opposite is happening so if you take Siri if you take Alexa if you take autonomous driving if you take any of these latest technologies people because they don't want to understand technology assume that the technology can do far more than what it can do. Yeah. So I'll give an example. You ask Siri or ask Alexa question that you know your friend can answer or understand mm. and Siri cannot and you think it's a dumb system. Mm. So your expectations from technology are far more than what the technology can provide. Yeah, so
0: true.
1: I'll give a very simple example and and it's, it's a true story. Wireless internet was made available on planes a few years back. So there was this... A gentleman, that or a boy that was uh, sitting. Mm. And uh, the air, air, no, plane is flying at 30,000 feet. The air hostess announces, oh, we have internet. So he's very happy. He fishes out his laptop and connects and he's able to browse. In about five minutes, the link fails or the speed is low or something. And he gets damn upset. He mm. sort of bangs his thing down saying this bloody thing never works. Mm. Now just think about it. You're thirty thousand feet high in the air. For the first time in your life, you are accessing internet on an airplane. Mm-hmm. But within five minutes, your expectations from it are so high that moment it does not achieve. You have a much more negative brand experience than what yeah. the airlines was hoping. The airlines were hoping that you you know go around shouting saying, oh, for five minutes I won't manage to browse.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're going to land and say that oh, these guys can't can't do it and they couldn't just give me a simple Facebook connection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is what's going to happen everywhere in all the brands. All the brands are in danger of showing expectations or uh, from their consumers that they cannot meet.
2: Yeah.
1: And this is where the life of user experiences is going to come, where they have to really create systems and, uh, and translate the u- interactions such that a human will be slightly more tolerant to the technology. He'll understand to be forgiving or start lowering his expectations from technology. So it's almost the other way around where uh, you know, th- you teach the person to <coughs> expect less from the technology. <laughs> yeah. Because w- w- what's going to happen is, otherwise the chances of you having a, band, a bad brand experience mm. is going to be high because you're going to expect, you know, take autonomous cars, for example. Mm. I mean, somewhere in the label it says autonomous car and then you will think that it can do so many things, but it can't. Mm. And then you will think that, oh, you've been cheated. Mm. Right? So it is, uh, and that's going to happen for everything. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So <coughs> how do you translate what a technology cannot do is going to be a lot of work that, uh, at least on the communication and UX side, uh, designs want to do.
0: Uh, I guess uh, this is a good note to end this uh, since we have like so much to explore in the field of design. Uh, feels like we haven't even scratched the surface yet, so it's okay. Uh, thank you, Narendra, for giving us your time and uh, also walking me through the amazing products that you have designed here at Tata LXI. Uh, I hope to have you again on AudioGyan where probably we can talk in depth about one product or case study and also share more insights to our listeners. So thank you once again.
1: Yes, thank you very much. And as I said, it was fun conversing and it's always fun to uh, discuss design. Thank you very much.
0: And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye.